Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Today, I want to convince you of God's grace, and I think it might be the most unbelievable thing you've ever heard. This morning, we're continuing our series called We the Methodists, an exploration of what it means to be United Methodist in our modern world. Last week, we talked about the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which is the four-sided way that we as United Methodists view the world. Not a snappy title for a theological idea, but a great way of understanding the world around us, taking the ideas of reason, tradition, experience, and above all, Scripture, helping us to know what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus in this modern time. This series, We the Methodists, is a series built on the idea that we are the generation defining and redefining the United Methodist Church. You know, we as a church have gone through a season of upheaval, a season of departure of some churches, a season of of changing and rechanging and refocusing who we are as a church. And that means that this generation of the United Methodist Church gets to decide who we are going to be and what we are going to stand for. And who we are matters and what we believe matters. We offer something that other churches don't, a particular theology, a particular way of viewing God, a particular way of viewing the world that the world, I believe, so desperately needs. And the Wesleyan Quadrilateral is how we view the world and we must own our worldview. This morning, we're going to talk about the next point of United Methodist theology that is unique and specific to us. You know, the the idea behind this is that this is going to be confirmation class. And you are, no offense to anyone here, by far the oldest confirmation class I've ever had. But that's mostly because most of my confirmands were in the sixth grade. So it's a little bit different, but you're going to be getting the confirmation class that I got to teach for years and years, helping kids take the faith that was given to them and make it their own. And so we're going to be doing that as well. Today, we are talking about grace. The thing I want you to hear today, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. You've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. You've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. Hear the word of the Lord from Romans chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. If death ruled because of one person's failure, those who receive the multiplied grace and the gift of righteousness will even more certainly rule in life through the one person, Jesus Christ. So now the righteous requirements necessary for life are met for everyone through the righteous act of one person just as judgment fell on everyone through the failure of one person. Many people were made righteous through the obedience of one person, just as many people were made sinners through the disobedience of one person. The law stepped in to amplify the failure, but where sin increased, grace multiplied even more. The result is that grace will rule through God's righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord just as sin ruled in death. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! 
So our passage today comes from Romans. Romans is kind of the greatest hits for a lot of Christians. This is how we can best understand what God is trying to say to us through the person of Jesus. It was a letter to the church at Rome. If you were raised in the church, you may have heard something called the Romans Road to Salvation. There's a few verses that help us understand what it means to just get right with God, if you've ever heard that turn of phrase before. But it also has a lot of heavy language in it, right, friends? Romans is not really about pulling punches. It's written by Paul, not known for his soft and gentle sensibility. I don't think Paul was a good hang. I think Paul was was a little torn up about things he was going through and let that bleed into his writing, but let's not psychoanalyze the man. But in that passage, you've heard about death and you've heard about sin. And sin can have such a weighty connotation as it should, as it leads to death. But friends, if I can save that word from the preachers that talk about hellfire and brimstone with much better hair than me, I hope I can today. Sin is anything that causes us to miss the mark. Sin is this weighty thing that causes us to miss the mark, the the thing that gets us out of step with God, gets us out of the union with what God has called us towards, has us treat ourselves as something less than what we could be. I was talking with Tom about this a few uh, weeks ago, and I, I compared it to music. When you sing or when you play music, you can be just off a note. If the note is here and you can be right here, there's a sound that that creates that for anyone with somewhat of a trained ear sounds like wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is the worst thing that you can hear. If you just play the wrong note altogether, it just sounds strange or weird or whatever, but if you're just flat, It makes anyone that knows how to sing wish that you would just be a little bit quieter. That, to me, is sin. Sin is the way that we can be in dissonance as opposed to resonance with God. It is the way that we just miss the mark. In our passage, it says that the law was was the first way we could be made right. And if you look at just the first five books of the Bible, you see the law written out. And the law is not something that anyone could hold up perfectly. It was a righteous law. It was a good law that that God created. And it was impossible for the people of Israel, let alone all of us who are not a part of the people of Israel, to uphold as the law was too strenuous. And the law just showed the need for grace. We're in the season of Lent. Maybe some of you have given things up or taken things on. I myself have taken on a more strict daily devotion of reading the Bible and a moment of vulnerability that has shown me my need for God's grace because there are some Sunday or some days where all of a sudden it's 11 a.m. and I haven't done my morning prayer or I'm putting my head on the pillow and I haven't done my evening prayer or my evening reading and it has shown me the need for God's grace. The next thing I want you to hear is this. Whenever we succumb to perfectionism, we prove our need for grace. Whenever we succumb to perfectionism, We prove our need for grace. Whenever you set a standard for yourself of perfection, you are reminding yourself that that is not possible for us to attain without God's grace. When we make mistakes, when we fail, that is not something that is counter to human nature, that is in fact right within human nature. And God is not surprised by our mistakes or our failures. God is not taken aback. In fact, that is why God sent Jesus in the first place. 
And that is why you've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. Grace. Grace isn't just the prayer you say before dinner. Grace is how God interacts with the world, the main modality of God's action. It's grace. It's unmerited favor. And maybe you were raised in a tradition that told you that grace was for that moment right after you die that gets you out of hell. And grace isn't just for that. It's in fact how we operate in the world. Grace is how we are here. In the United Methodist tradition, grace is how we know that we need God's love. That in itself is grace. The grace of God is not actually some sort of laser beam or a present that we unwrap, a laser beam from heaven or a present we unwrap, but instead it is the water that we swim in. Imagine we're all fish. Grace is the water that we swim in. You've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. There's a grace that exists in all of creation. There's three different kinds of grace in the United Methodist theology. And the first one is a word that autocorrect thinks is not a word. So hold with me here. It's provenient grace. And the next thing you can write down is this. Provenient grace is the grace that draws humanity in. Prevenient grace or preventing grace or predisposed grace is this grace that puts all of us in a relationship with God, allows us to have a conversation with God. It sees our original sin and overlooks it. That is one of the main reasons why in the United Methodist Church, we will baptize your babies because we believe that baptism is a sign of God's grace to us and not our action towards God. Provenient grace is the grace that reaches into us before we could possibly know the need for it. Provenient grace is manifest in us when we're three or five or eight and we look to the sky and we feel that we are not alone. Provenient grace is those deep, meaningful questions you get from toddlers. Provenient grace is why we like to hear the sound of children in church. It is why we are here. This type of grace proves God's love toward us and shows us that the grace that we've been offered comes from God, not us, which I am so grateful for. For all of the good decisions that I make, there are about 10 others that I'd rather make that are wrong. I am so glad that I don't need to rely on my own goodness to see the goodness of God, but instead it is God's grace. You couldn't earn grace this good, so stop trying. This grace is too good for us to earn, so stop trying. You've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. The second form of grace that we as United Methodists talk about is justifying grace. Justifying grace wipes the slate clean of all the ways that we fail to measure up. Justifying grace is the, is the grace that sees all of our sin and in the eyes of God makes it go away. It washes away. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so is our sin in the eyes of God. It goes away. Or the way that I explained it to sixth graders was, when you think about justifying grace, think about just if I'd never messed up. 
It's not a good pastor joke, but it is one. It helps you remember that when we are justified, it is justified, never messed up. And the reason why justifying grace, I think, is probably one of the more difficult ones to understand is our strained relationship with forgiveness. It makes it very hard for us to understand. I was lucky enough to do a wedding yesterday. It was a beautiful day. The sun shone directly into my eyeballs the whole time. I think I have a bit of a sunburn here, but that's okay. And, but one of the things I always say in my wedding homily is, when someone apologizes, when your spouse apologizes, never, ever, ever say, it's fine, because it isn't. Instead, offer forgiveness if you can. And that is our strained relationship with forgiveness in a nutshell. It is hard for us to ask for forgiveness. We feel the need to earn our forgiveness. And in relationships, earthly relationships, it is good to show that you are trying to change who you are, change your actions. But when it comes to the justifying grace of Christ, we couldn't possibly earn it. There's no way that we could. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And yet, you've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. When we can finally believe in God's grace, you'll finally be able to offer grace. But that's another sermon. So stay tuned for future weeks. You've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. Our last form of grace that we as United Methodists talk about is sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace is the grace that allows us to become holy. John Wesley, the founder of United Methodism, said that the goal of the Christian life is to become holy in this life. Holiness, Christian perfection was the term that he used. You'll not hear me say that a lot because I don't know what perfection means to you, but to me it means something that I hope to attain once I get to heaven. Perfection is something that feels as if we could never, ever, ever reach it. And Wesley believed that we could, and I'm becoming convinced. And so instead, in my practice, in my life, I no longer strive for perfection, but rather strive for the striving for perfection. I am going to move towards perfection, knowing that if I ever reach it, it won't be because of me. It will be because of God's grace. A life of faith is a journey towards the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. We talked about quadrilateral last week, a little mathy kind of term. I'm going to give you another one. Everyone say asymptotic. I know that sounds like I tried to get you to say a naughty word first, but asymptotic. An asymptote is something that you learn about in calculus. It is the journey of a graph towards a point, never reaching it, but stretching onward towards infinity. This is why I didn't go into teaching math, but it is something that we do as we get closer and closer and closer, and that is our journey towards holiness. We don't strive for perfection so that we can get a gold star when we get to heaven. We don't strive for perfection because we need a blue ribbon. We strive for perfection because in the striving, we will see the face of God. 
and we will show the face of God to others. Friends, we must become a church obsessed with growth, not complacency. The United States is filled with churches that are happy with people arriving at their faith and never moving. And that is why we need a church that has become obsessed with our pursuit of holiness and not complacency. As your pastor, I can promise you that I will fail you. And as your pastor, I promise you that I will try my best. And that is all God asks for us in return as well. That as we fully believe in God's grace, we can see that grace changing us as well. You've never been and you'll never go to a place where the grace of God cannot reach you. Friends, I've talked about perfection. I've talked about perfectionism. I've talked about holiness. And what I want you to hear today is that God's grace frees us to move towards what is and what is possible. God's grace is what allows us to get up on a cold morning and drive into church even though the bed is so warm. God's grace is what gives us the courage to turn on the YouTube live stream not knowing how the sound balance might be this morning. God's grace is enough for us to forgive those who need our forgiveness and to accept the forgiveness that we so desperately need. It is God's grace, my friends. I told you when I started that I wanted to convince you of God's grace. Friends, are you convinced yet? If so, then let us live into this new life. Stop earning God's favor. Start living into this new life. Let's pray together. All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.